In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Yesterday we had the passage from St. Luke about the blind man who in St. Luke remains unknown or unnamed, but we know from St. Matthew that his name was Bartimaeus. He was a blind man who was healed by Jesus in the town of Jericho, just outside the city limits. Today, St. Luke tells us about another man, also in Jericho, but a man who was on the opposite side of the social spectrum. Now, it is not a blind man without power, without money, without social standing, but a publican, a man who was wealthy, tax, tax collector, he worked for the Roman occupation. And we know from Luke that his name was Zacchaeus. Bartimaeus, the, the blind man, had a problem, that, and that problem, of course, was that he was blind. And Jesus healed him since uh, Bartimaeus had asked him that, I'm, that I may see. And he healed him right away. Boom. But Zacchaeus's problem was not that he was blind, but that he was short. He could, but the effect was the same. He couldn't see Jesus. The blind man couldn't see him because, well, he couldn't see him. But Zacchaeus just couldn't see above the crowd. And both were fascinated with the idea of approaching Jesus. For Zacchaeus, the publican, Jesus did not heal his physical limitation. This external way of being, this limitation that he had. But with Zacchaeus, he tapped into something much deeper. And that, you could say, was his dysfunctional relationship to money, to material goods, to his sense of prestige, his power. And therefore, the Lord touched something much deeper, a dysfunctional relationship to, 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 to money and his long-standing injustice towards his own people, his own brothers, the people of Israel, of which he was a part of. Whereas Bartimaeus simply asked him, Lord, heal me. Allow that I may see. And he was indeed healed by Jesus' action, his words, his gesture, immediately. And he could see. First thing he saw was the face of Jesus himself. But here, it's a little bit more layered. It's more complex. 
Zacchaeus now goes out. Well, for that matter, like Bartimaeus did, he goes out on his own initiative. And it's as though there's a kind of, uh, the initiative comes really from a kind of inner conversion. And that came from this desire to see Jesus, which he could not do. Because he was short. That was his own limitation. Not something that he had chosen analogously to the blind man. But just being in his presence, knowing that Jesus was passing by, made him take initiative, made him think of a solution, and also made him want to be just, upright, good. And not only that, but made him want to make restitution for the damages that he had incurred because of his uh, injustice, because of what he had done. In both cases, Jesus was passing by. And in both cases, the blind man and Zacchaeus, they could not lose this opportunity. And had they lost it, it's as though their healing would not have taken place. For the blind man, he got up, he screamed, and people were, were trying to keep him silent. They thought he was a bother. We know from Matthew that he threw off his cloak. He just had all his possessions there. And there's a form of detachment there too. He had his cloak, he had his water bottle, he had his phone there, he had you know, everything that he needed. And uh, when Jesus stopped, Jesus was walking and he stopped. He was passing by, but he stopped. He knew about Bartimaeus. He stopped. And he said, call this guy. And they said, Jesus is calling you. And that's when he threw off his cloak and boom, it must not have been a very pretty sight. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He said, Lord, that I may see. And on the way, you know, water bottle, uh, pictures of his family. Well, we couldn't see pictures. <laughs> That wouldn't have made any sense, but in any case. And when St. Josemaria uh, preached about this story, he, it reminded him of being on the battlefield after an engagement. And he recounts how during the engagement he saw strewn all over the floor, all over the ground, he saw you know, coats, haversacks, uh, pictures, bottles, uh, canteens. Pictures of loved ones. And he realized that all that stuff there belonged to the victors, not to the vanquished. And he took out of that, that when we are on the way to Jesus, when we seek to embrace a life of faith and friendship with Jesus, all that stuff is just extraneous. All the attachments all the goodies we may have accumulated, they're so secondary. We can just drop them as those soldiers did. Knapsacks, uh, stuff. And the same happens here with Bartimaeus. But we're now with Zacchaeus. 
And he, hearing that Jesus was there, hearing that he was passing by, he tried. He tried to see him, but he couldn't see him. He wasn't blind physically, but he was... He had the same problem. He couldn't see. He was too short. All these shoulders above him. He was jumping. Forget it. He's, you know, four foot five or something, you know. He's a midget. Total midget. And of course, when you see a midget, nobody pays attention to you. You're just like... And plus, he's a publican, so forget this guy, man. Don't let him. So he's smart. He climbs up a sycamore tree. The gospel says, Now a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd. For he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. And when he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, murmur, complain, roll their eyes. Well, it doesn't say all that, but you know, <laughs> you can imagine. He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zagaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times. Four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. Of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. It was such a, such a beautiful image because it reflects a moment of salvation, a moment of conversion, a moment of turning to the Lord. Of course, Zacchaeus here is healed thanks to his own initiative. I imagine Jesus understanding his upheaval and everything that was going on in his heart. And he's, he knew his name, Zacchaeus, come down. Because the Lord was so touched or so pleased or so happy with that inner conversion. And of course, just being in his presence, in Jesus' presence, Zacchaeus took on that initiative to want to be just, to want to make a resolution for all the damage that he had done. He truly did have a heart. He had a conscience. But it was Jesus passing by at this very moment that was his chance, and he probably would not have had another chance. It was op his opportunity. Now, let us focus on one aspect that we've already alluded to, and this was mentioned in particular by Pope Francis when he went to World Youth Day in 2016. He chose this gospel to address 
you know, the young people there in Krakow, in the Campus Misericordiae, the, the field of mercy, on July 31st, 2016. And he describes how this encounter of Zacchaeus changed his life, just as it has changed and can daily still change each of our lives. But, the Pope said, Zacchaeus had to face, he said, a number of obstacles in order to meet Jesus. And at least three of these can only, can also say something to us. Well, and he mentions three, but I'll just focus on one of those obstacles, and that, of course, is his smallness of stature. The Pope says that Zacchaeus couldn't see the Master because he was little. Even today, we can risk not getting close to Jesus because we don't feel big enough, because we don't think ourselves worthy, not just by stature, but we know our sins, we know our distance, we, we feel discouraged. Anytime we feel discouraged, we don't feel worthy, we feel, feel our Lord's going to somehow reject us because of our sins, we know that those thoughts are somehow instilled in us by the devil. I'm not worthy, I can't come closer, I'm discouraged. That's the devil. We have to realize that that is the devil. I cannot come closer. He's going to reject me. Or similar thoughts. The Pope says, this is a great temptation. It has to do not only with self-esteem, but with faith itself. For faith tells us that we are children of God. And that is what we are. He's quoting there from the first letter of St. John. We are children of God. That is what we are. We've been created in God's own image. Jesus has taken upon himself our humanity and his heart will never be separated from us. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell within us. We've been called to be happy forever with God. Of course, the devil doesn't want us to think that or to know that. He just wants us to feel totally small, unworthy, unable to find a solution. Now, certainly that was the case with Zacchaeus. He was small. And therefore, he must have compared his own value, and not just his height, you know, in that sense, but also his value. Like It was hard to distinguish between his height and his value. He was small. He was no good. And he would have compared himself with people around him. He felt that others were looking down at him, which most certainly they were. And it was difficult for him to distinguish between the physical fact of being looked down upon and the moral fact of being kind of disdained and somehow being told in some way that he was of very little value. Perhaps indeed they disdained him. They grumbled. They grumbled at him. And this experience allowed him to eventually dwell into numerous acts of injustice towards others. You know, keeping money for himself, thinking, well, if I take this money, nobody will notice, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll make, I'll make stuff for myself, kind of compensations for the bad feelings I have about myself. And I'll, and I'll get some 
you know, a nice port and I'll get a, you know, some good scotch every night and other forms of compensation. And he probably had really nice clothing, nice uh, shoes and everybody's walking around in gross sweaty sandals but he's got these nice, you know, nice clothing. He kept the money for himself, he didn't share it too much and somehow he thought that this could improve his situation as though it could somehow rectify his experience which he had not fully accepted. Also the experience of his, himself comparing himself to others. But of course, those are all ways in which he felt small, he felt belittled. But there are other ways, and that's what we have to apply to ourselves too, in which we can feel small, you could say, or short. And I think that Zacchaeus didn't really invest much time or effort into his own knowledge of God and his own formation. He didn't take care to know, in this case, the Mosaic Law and, the, and, and for that matter, you know, the Torah. He just heard about Jesus, but he was still like lacking in formation. He was small in his formation in that sense. And he just didn't invest in this. And it's very important that we consider the role of formation in our Christian life. Our knowledge, by that I mean our knowledge of the faith, our moral knowledge, our spiritual knowledge, our ascetical knowledge, our doctrinal knowledge, our human formation, our ability to form manners in us and our ability to relate, look at others in the eye. Maybe there's a lack, there's a lack here. Our inability perhaps to really see Jesus as the truth of my life, to know who he is, to know that he is my friend. And the danger that he, that he just passes by, that I'm a Catholic, he just lets Jesus pass by. And that we may have ended up having a very kind of superficial knowledge of our Lord himself. Maybe we, I mean, have I actually read the scriptures, the, the gospel itself? every day to get a deeper knowledge not just once not just from when I was at school or in you know in whatever places we learned initially the gospel have I really invested in my knowledge of the faith it takes time and it could happen that we're small in the sense that we are superficial in our knowledge of the faith and that's why we can ask our Lord now to give us the grace, to give us this kind of impulse, this courage, which was initially lacking uh, in Zacchaeus, to really take seriously and commit to our own doctrinal, moral, ascetical, spiritual, human formation. All the different layers that make up our knowledge, our formation, you know, like we be like, 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 you know, a piece of clay that the Lord forms into a beautiful vessel. Maybe we're just like a stump of, of, of clay, superficial, emotive. We need a mature 
understanding of who we really are. Because one of the things uh, formation does, when we commit to it, I mean, after all, that's why we're coming here, right? It's part of our commitment to grow in knowledge. And above all, huma- uh, formation, and one of the things that uh, it brings about is that it gives us this kind of, you could call it a sound criteria, sound judgment. You know, um, we read this in the preface of the way. You know, the way that has all these little aphorisms and counsels, right? that St. Rosemir wrote in the early 30s. And then he wrote it, you know, different... He took notes here and there, and then he eventually put it into this little book with 990 councils. Some have more depth than others, of course, but but he, he wanted to underline the kind of approach that we should have in the, in the preface. He wanted to sort of instill, what attitude must I have when I read these councils? when I read these aphorisms, these suggestions, you could say. Indeed, what attitude must I have when I take care of my formation? What is really the purpose? And he outlines this in a short little paragraph in the preface of the way. He says, Read these counsels slowly. Pause to meditate on their meaning. They are things that I whisper in your ear as a friend, as a brother, as a father. We shall speak intimately and God will be listening to us. I'm going to tell you nothing new. I shall only Stir your memory so that some thought may arise and strike you. And so your life will improve and you will set out along the way of prayer and of love. And, and that's the key line, and in the end, you will become a soul of worth. A soul of worth. Honestly, that's not the best translation that I can think of. In Spanish, I think it's something like, Llegarás a ser un, al- un alma de criterio. But they don't use the word criterio, but you know, I suppose you understand what that means, to be a, a soul of criteria. You have the right criteria. You have the right judgment. You have a worthy way of perceiving challenges and difficulties and just different situations in life. In other words, your judgment, your opinion is worthy. It's a, your soul of worth because you've reflected on things. That's what formation does. And people can trust your judgment, your criteria, your guidance. You're a, a truly mature person. Partly by experience, because we mature through experiences, through challenges that we face down, and you know any any hardship that we go through is an opportunity for growing, for growth, right? To, but also reading, committing ourselves, listening to others, asking advice, 
No, these are different layers that help us to become a mature man. But I love that expression, you are a soul of worth. You are a soul of criteria. People can ask you, what should I do here? What, what is the best thing for me? You know, I have this challenge. It could be at work, dealing with a difficult colleague. It could be you know, a temptation. Uh, what do I do? This person is always annoying me. What is the best thing for me to do? So that I not react simply emotionally or superficially. There are moral considerations, there are doctrinal considerations, there are human considerations that I must take into account. And this is, this is what I need when I become a man of true worth. And this is what we all need today. And we can ask the Holy Spirit, you know, infuse this, this drive, this desire to truly be a man of true criteria. But of course, that can happen, but it doesn't depend on intellectual uh, prowess. You don't have to be like a genius to become a soul of criteria. You don't have to be thinking fast on your feet all the time. God give, gives different levels of intellectual acuity to people, but you can still, no matter what, be a soul of criteria. Thank God, because otherwise, you know, I think we'd have problems, you know. Or I certainly would, you know. It doesn't depend on intellectual prowess. But becoming a soul of criteria, that is, ceasing to be short, or at least overcoming that obstacle, cannot happen unless we invest in some, let's say, unless we make some form of investment in our formation. I mean, consider these powerful words from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Because he, you know, when he's writing, he really knows who he's, he, he's writing to, and he addresses them, the Ephesians, with deep thanksgiving, not for their wealth, not for all the things they did, but he addresses them for their knowledge of the faith, the deep knowledge they have. And that's what made them, he says, trustworthy. He says, in right from the beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may not, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, that's a beautiful expression, the eyes of your heart, that's a form of criteria, right? Judgment. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's right in the first chapter of Ephesians. Wow. Wow. You know, that, that he may enlighten the eyes of your heart. You know? 
illuminatus oculus cordis vestri. It's a beautiful idea that, that we can see with our heart. I mean, our eyes too have to be enlightened, enlivened by the truth of the gospel and the teaching of the church, which has been handed down in all its integrity through the centuries. This is what we ask our Lord right now. And, you know, you can think of formation that we receive as a kind of ongoing self-cultivation. Like the irrigation of a field. Or, you know, arable land that will lead us, like, out of ourselves, out of our shell, out of our own selfishness, so that we can be like a seed that breaks out and brings forth a plant. As we grow, as we mature, and we grow in a capacity for sorrow, but also a capacity for joy. I mean, that we have to cultivate the field that we are, that our intellect, our moral judgment. I mean, that's where the word culture comes from. It comes from cultivating. Cultivation is the job of acquiring deeper culture, of assimilating interiorly knowledge in such a way that it enriches the person who knows. That's what culture is. It enriches us. So that formation that we have to commit to really means that process of you know, taking what we have learned, those interior riches, right, you could say to be able to read the book of life, the book of the world, the book of society, the book of history, and all the things that they can teach us. So that we really be that arable land to form ourselves, you know, uh, put into practice those desires to learn. And the obstacle of being short, like Zacchaeus, will disappear. So we ask her, this is our blessed mother. And why not? We can ask Zacchaeus. Why not? You know, he overcame that obstacle. He thought about it. Going to the sycamore tree. Brilliant, brilliant idea. Going up the sycamore tree. And we have to find our sycamore trees so that we be able, be able to get a clear vision of the Lord Jesus who is passing by our way in our life. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.